0: The message you are about to hear is brought to you by the word and sound ministry of the redeemed Christian Church of God. God bless you as you listen. John
1: 1930 says, When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost today is palm sunday and um i know many of us don't know that today is palm sunday it is the day in christendom when we commemorate the triumphal entry of jesus into jerusalem now if you are good christians you should have come here today with your palm fronds and then we'll all go out onto the streets and march and sing hosanna but today really is not a day for celebration. It's a day for, for sober reflections because those same people who were shouting "Hosanna, Hosanna!" in less than a week shouted away with him, crucify him, crucify him. You know. So I I had a, there are many people with processions around Ikoyi with palm fronds, and. If you are really, those who are really 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 keen you get a donkey and put a little boy on the donkey and um, but it's something that's a lot more serious than, than that we want to look at that cry of Jesus on the cross it is finished there are seven cries or if you prefer, that were that came from Jesus while he was on the cross. And if you know that seven is the number of perfection, it means that even in death, Jesus was perfect. The first cry is found in Luke 23, 34, when they were putting him on the cross and people were laughing at him. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then as was read in the second lesson today when the two vagabonds one on his left and one on his right when the foolish one was busy saying if you are Christ save yourself and save us the sensible one said do you not fear God this man has done nothing wrong and quickly changed his destiny he was all the way going to hell but quickly said Lord please remember me and Jesus said today shall thou be with me in paradise Luke 23 43 45 the third one is found in John 19 26 when Jesus looks at Mary from the cross and says to Mary woman behold thy son and pointed her to John the beloved the fourth one is in mark fifteen thirty four, where he says eloi eloi lama sabachthani that is my god my god why hast thou forsaken me because at that point the whole place became dark and god turned his eyes away from jesus for a period of three hours because god was putting upon him the sin of the whole world and you know the eyes of the lord cannot look at iniquity the fifth utterance is in John 19:29 and Jesus said, I thirst. The sixth, which is what we're going to look at this afternoon, is in 19 John 19:30. 19, he said, it is finished. And finally in Luke 23:46, we find the last utterance of Jesus on the cross when he said, Father, into thy hand I commend my spirit. I want to just look briefly at that sixth utterance, that sixth cry. It is finished. If you think about it, I'll just give you this as an exercise. Was it a whisper or was it a loud cry? I won't tell you what it was. That particular utterance, if you look at all the utterances of Jesus on the cross... The first one, Father, forgive them. It was directed to God on behalf of sinners. Today, shall thou be with me in paradise was directed to the man who escaped hell by the skin of his teeth. Woman, behold thy son was directed to Mary. Eloi, Eloi, lemat Sabakhtani was directed to the Father again. I thirst was Jesus speaking to himself. I'm thirsty it is finished It is directed both to the father and the church they are words of comfort to the church that is those who are saints those who are Christians because Jesus was saying the work that he had come to do regarding you and I he had finished it now let's just look at briefly the circumstance where was Jesus He was on the cross and the interesting thing is that the death of the cross was a very very painful death remember that the Bible tells us that from between 12 and 3 there was darkness the Romans had so perfected this business of the cross (laughs) that they made sure that they put people on the cross at high noon so that there's and the the truth is um, it's good to go to Israel. If you go to Israel during summertime you don't even find the Jews in Israel because the place is really unbearably hot. It's, It's desert land. So during summertime it is really, really hot. And the crucified people under this intense heat. We say it's painful. Very, very painful. Because if you imagine nails being used to hold your body, as you get weaker, the nails tore your skin. As you get weaker, as you sag, the nail will tear the, the flesh. Anyway, that's not what we want to talk about today. Somebody has started wincing as if he's feeling the pain. <laughs> I wish we could wince all the time, you know. Um, during the first service when we took this hymn I saw so many people singing at the top of their voices then you go out and do rubbish you know by the way you know I've said that we are where that the days of Ananias and Sapphira are back thank God for confirmation today God bless you I know that um, when we say so people generally won't believe but I pray that um God will tell you by himself, as God told her by himself. You know, if you come to church and hear the days of Ananias and Sapphira are black, you say, the pastor has come with his own journey. But if God himself tells you, remember Ananias and Sapphira, you know you will write the right thing. So, those of you who are writing the wrong things, be careful. They only told a little lie about their offering. And that's all that cost them their lives. Now, The pain of Jesus on the cross was not so much the physical pain. You see, for you to understand the pain, you have to understand that he had no sin. For you to understand his pain, you have to understand that his eyes should not really behold iniquity. For you to understand his pain, you have to understand that he was holy and could not really be in the midst of the people that were dealing with him. For you to understand the pain, you have to understand that he's the one that made those people. <clears throat> For you to understand his pain, you have to understand that he made the tree from whence they brought, brought forth the cross. You know? It's, it's when you see things from that perspective, then you understand, you begin to understand the pain. It wasn't just physical pain. It's pain that we will only find out um, Hereafter, not here on earth. You can only just imagine it, but you will never really know um, the intensity of that pain. You will never really know it. But let us just look at the fact that they put him in between two vagabonds. They put him, you see, if you see a photo or an illustration of Jesus on the cross, they always put a cloth. To cover his private parts but see they, they in the real um crucifixion he was crucified naked because it was a thing to make the person really feel shame he was it was really for bad people but that's not really important what i want to to us to understand is that look at the Christ on the cross and look at particularly that sixth one that says it is finished. It reveals clearly the state of his mind. All he had in his mind was the work that God had sent him to come and do. And that he had finished the work. You see, he lived a life where all that drove him was his passion to do the work that God sent him to come and do. It is finished. And I said that that was spoken to God and to the church. To God in the sense that I have done the work. This is the last bit of the work. And immediately after the Bible tells us that he died. His concern even in that situation was still God's will and God's glory, that will that he should come and redeem you and I, that he should come and pay a price for you and I. I want it to sink in our hearts today because if you've been reading cover to cover, as I said in the morning, you will discover that God is dangerous. He's there. That's why the Bible is there for you to read, you know he lets you do things, but he, he wants you from time to time. You see, because when you look at Jesus and find that in his dying moments, the only thing that concerned him was I have done the work you sent me to do and this is just the last bit of it. Then we look at our lives and we know that there's something wrong. Because most of us everyone tends to have his own agenda. People are in church today because of testimonies. They are in church today because of the fact that there's armed robbery outside there. They're looking for safety. They have realized, many of us have realized that there's no real power with the Babalao. I told the story of the man who went to the Babalao and um, he paid. The job was done for him. The problem disappeared. He never went back. He never even went there to greet the man once. Then Ten years later, the problem came back, twice as before. So he found his way quickly to the babalawos' place. When he got there, ah, they said, "Are you? Are you just? Did you travel?" That man died about two, three years ago. So he had a real problem because the solution to his problem died. You know. If you look at John seventeen verse four. In his valedictory prayer, Jesus says, I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. All that was on his mind when he walked the earth was just to do the will of God. God's purpose was uppermost in his mind. And God's purpose ought to be uppermost in our minds. John 4.34, Jesus says, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. And to finish his work. He says, my, my, my satisfaction, the thing that drives me is to do the will of God. And not just to do his will, but to make sure that the work for which I have been sent is finished. There are many of us who are here today who don't even know the work that God has put before us. People live and die without ever touching the work that God... See, everybody who is here, there's a work that God has ordained for you. Because he's a God of purpose. He has a purpose. His purpose cannot be that you should spend all your life working for a multinational. And then when you are old and tired, they give you pension. And then then you take the Bible and begin to read with glasses and you can't see well. That cannot be the purpose of God. It is not. There is a purpose that God has for each person. But many people live life and never find out that purpose. Many people live life, with full life, and never touch the purpose. We ought to learn from Jesus, because if he took finishing his work so seriously, we ought to at least take finding out why we are Christians seriously. Because you didn't become a Christian on your own. God pulled you. None can come to the Father except the Father draws him there. So today, we want to just spend some time and just think Jesus' motivation was the will of God. What's your motivation? For some, it's money, like I told the story of a man who had made so much money, they interviewed him on Capital Radio in Britain, and they asked him, you are very successful, he said "Yes." they said how he said because I work hard they said to him what is your motivation why do you make so much money he said because of the thought that somebody outside there might have more money than him (laughs) and that man was made in God's image and likeness and some of us that's the thing that motivates us just to make money and when we make the money it's when there's wealth the next thing that comes is the fear of ill health. People who are wealthy, they worry so much. That's why you find that they are very, air uh, ambulance, very expensive hospitals to so cater for the very wealthy. Why? Because nobody wants to die. But there's a, there's a God who looks after us. We ought to find out. Are we motivated by God or we are motivated by, by ourselves? Most people are motivated by themselves, not by God. God is just always secondary, very, very secondary, and it ought not to be so. And today in particular, as we look at the death of Jesus on the cross, you know, it's time for us to really look at our own lives and wonder, what exactly am I doing? Because Christianity is not fun and games. It's a serious business. If God would put himself inside a human being and come and suffer the indignities of the cross, you can be sure of one thing. He's not going to lower the standards of heaven for your sake. Because he has done all that needs to be done. The rest is for us to do the things that God expects us to do. Now let's look at what does it is finished. What was Jesus referring to? When he said it is finished the first thing that i want to draw attention to there is that jesus was saying that the whole of scripture had been fulfilled in himself he meant that all that happened from genesis right through to malachi had finally been fulfilled in himself you see when adam sinned he died spiritually In other words, he lost contact with God. His walk with God was broken. His communion with God was broken. Indeed, immediately Adam sinned. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, the Bible says God made for Adam and Eve coats of skins. And you know, you cannot have the skin of an animal except you kill one. So that in Genesis chapter 3, you see the first glimpse as it were, of Jesus. That animal that was killed by God was pointing to Jesus. So Jesus was saying, in saying it is finished, he was saying everything from Genesis through to Deuteronomy. All that the prophets had prophesied about, everything has now been fulfilled. That the scripture That existed in his lifetime was about himself. That's why he said in John 5 39, Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. See, the scriptures testify of me. So that as you read your Bible, all you are reading about is about Jesus. Jesus, for example, was a prophet like unto Moses. He was, if you want, a champion like Joshua. He was a high priest like Aaron and Melchizedek. The list is endless. All those people you see in the Bible, they all did what? They pointed to Jesus in the Old Testament. So that the whole of the Old Testament was fulfilled in Jesus. That's why John the Baptist, when he first set eyes on Jesus, says, "Ah." Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Because that's, that's the purpose for which he came. To take away the sin of Adam. Because the blood of animals, lambs and bulls and cows, all they could do was to cover the sin. They could not take the sin away because the lambs and the bulls do not equate to a human being. They are below us. So their blood could not be perfect payment for our own sins. So when Jesus said it is finished, he was referring to the fact that somewhere in eternity God had purposed that this man that I'm going to make in my own image and likeness I will redeem him, because I can see that he will not succeed. That's why you find in Second Corinthians chapter five, verse nineteen, it says to which that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and had committed unto us the word of reconciliation. The Bible tells us in Luke twenty three, forty five, that as Jesus died, the veil of the temple was rent. Now let me explain that. See, when Adam sinned, God and Adam stopped walking together in the Garden of Eden. God stopped talking to Adam. And to bring about a situation where man could still be in contact with God, God gave the children of Israel the plan of the tabernacle, which was meant to be a meeting place with God. And in the tabernacle, there was a place called the Holy of Holies. Nobody dared to enter there because that was where God was. Once in a year, the high priest went in there with blood to go and atone for the sins of the whole nation. And when the tabernacle became a temple, they still had the Holy of Holies. There was a veil that prevented anybody from entering. But when Jesus came, when he died, that prevention, that thing that stood between me and God, between you and God, was opened. So Jesus was saying, the work has been done. Man can come back again to God. Man can, can enter. You and I can enter into his presence at will. The Bible says, just where two or three are gathered together, says God is already there so he can enter into his presence at will. This God that nobody throughout the Old Testament could go before except for once in a year. All of a sudden you can go in and come out 10 times a day if you want. So when Jesus said, it is finished, he was saying all that, this whole thing, you see this thing that we call Christianity, the whole of it, the reason why you are here today He says, it has not been fulfilled in me. You see, because the problem started with Adam. And that problem had to be taken away. The next thing that Jesus referred to when he said, it is finished. Was that all the sacrifices of the Jewish law. If you are reading cover to cover, the most difficult book to read is Leviticus. All they have there are specifications for sacrifice. If you do this, you do this, you kill this animal. If you do this, you kill this animal. Jesus was saying that... Had been abolished. There was no need for that anymore. Because the perfect sacrifice had come and been paid. That's why Jesus said in John 5:56, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. What he meant was that when God asked Abraham, Take your son, thine only son, whom thou lovest, Isaac and go to the mountain i will show thee and there sacrifice him god revealed to abraham how he god would sacrifice jesus but the relevance of animal sacrifices to us is simply that there are some of us who are here today we still take part in animal you know everybody here nobody just dropped from heaven all of us have a village we all come from, 99% of the villages that people come from, they still kill animals and that's why, in fact, if Nigerians stop that thing, schnapp will die. They make schnapp for this country, it's made for, for this country because everywhere, when they kill the animal, they pour some small schnapp on the ground. Then, in River State, they will pass it around. off, you will drink from the same glass. Which is, I think is even very unhealthy. Because you don't know the diseases that they carry inside themselves in the villages. You see, the villager eats well and lives doesn't live in the pressure of the city. So he it can be ill but he- outwardly looking healthy. Because he doesn't suffer the pressures you suffer. So if you look at him outwardly and say, it's okay, we can drink from the same glass. You will just find out that you made a mistake. But I want to tell us who are here today that Christians ought not to take part in those things. The issue of killing an animal and even if it's for your birthday, even if it's because you are 80, kill an animal, well as long as you begin to pray and poor Jean, you are doing something else. You are doing something else. All of that has gone. Not to talk of churches where they still believe in killing animals and chickens. Thirdly, Jesus was saying, when he said it is finished, that the life of perfect obedience to God with regard to redemption of man had been completed and that it was possible. It is possible to live a life of perfect obedience to God. It is it is because people give us the impression that it is not give you the impression that a Christian can sin the sin of Adam we call it Adamic sin it gives you what we call a sin nature some people say the sin of Adam means the state of sin I don't know what that means but that once you are born again you are always born again The Bible doesn't say so. That it is impossible to live life and not sin. Ah, it's not possible. now. You must lie from time to time. I used to hold that view, particularly about lying, that it's not possible. How can you not lie? But I know that today, I know that it's possible not to lie. I know it's possible. It's all a question of taking God seriously. It's all a question of understanding that the person, the father of lies is Satan. That when you lie, you speak the language of Satan. And you decide that you don't want to be associated with Satan. And you know when you tell the truth, it actually builds up your character. Over time, people will believe that they are dealing with somebody that they can depend on. I remember the other day, somebody asked me for something. He says, will I give him X, Y, Z? And I said... I'll give you A and B. He said, that's why I like you. Kukum won't tell me lie. I said, I can't give you the other one, no. He said, no like him, like him. Eh, <laughs> eh, But that's, and he respects you for that because you just tell him, this is what I can do. This, I can, this one, I can't do it. People might be disappointed initially, but after a while, they'll take you as you you are. You see, salvation could only be bought On the platter of perfect obedience and that was something adam found difficult to do if you read the book of deuteronomy as i said we should read you'll find out that the children of israel they failed they failed all their tests as put down in the book of deuteronomy and jesus when he walked the earth quoted Extensively from the book of the, because he was trying to show that these things you people couldn't do, it is possible to do it. It's in the book of the term that you have man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. But we would rather live by by bread alone. We would. And in fact, most Christians, when you set your mind to doing something, you then go and pray. So that God will do what? Robert stamp his approval. But the God that we know, He won't even say anything. He will not talk. Jesus stands as an example that it is possible. It is possible. Many say, but Jesus was the Son of God. He was born by the Holy Spirit. The truth is that if you understand Christian doctrine well, to become a Christian, you have to be born by the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit does not rekindle your spiritual man, it will still remain dormant. So the same way Jesus was born by the Holy Spirit, that is the way that you have been born again by the Holy Spirit. The only difference between you and I and Jesus was that he did everything by the Holy Spirit. We do a lot of things by ourselves. We get into trouble, then we remember God. Salvation is priceless. You can't put a price on it. That's why the Bible says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? God places a value that is bigger than the whole of this world on every single soul. And when you understand that Jesus suffered a lot of indignities on account of you and I, you see, many of us don't really, really understand some of these things. Something that just came to my mind now, when the high priest said, tell us about your doctrine, Jesus said, I spoke openly in the synagogues. Ask them about my doctrine. One stupid soldier I just came and slapped him, he gave me a good swipe on the face and said, Answerest thou the high priest so? And Jesus said, ah, what have I done? If I would spoken ill, testify to it. See, what I I said, if it's wrong, just say what you said is wrong. (laughs) You don't have to slap me now. (laughs) But he didn't do anything. And you must understand that it is for you, 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 that Jesus went through all of that stuff. Many of us don't understand it. And today I want each person to understand it. They said to him, He saved others. In other words, they actually acknowledged that Jesus performed miracles. He saved others. When Lazarus died, he called him, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus came out. Let him save himself now. He trusted in God. Let God save him. They spat on him. <laughs> they even pulled his beard. You know, those women that be really nasty people. Why are you going to pull his beard? If he was not a man, he wouldn't have a beard. It's because there's this thing that Satan does. He creates the impression in your mind that Jesus wasn't a man. joy was just God. No. He said, I thirst. And the Bible tells us that he made the seas. He made water. He was able to bring water out from a rock. And he says, if I'm hungry, I won't tell you. In other words, if he was God, he wouldn't say, I thirst. I just want to tell us today that we all have a responsibility. You have a responsibility. Once you are a Christian, once you accept that Jesus died for you, you have a responsibility which many of us have not bothered with at all. That responsibility, first and foremost, is to love Jesus. And if you love him, you'll obey him, you will. He says, if you love me, ye will keep my commandments. But we all do the things that we want. Philippians 2, 21 says, For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. The Christian faith is faith in Jesus. And I found out that the word faith and the word faithfulness in both Greek and Hebrew are the same in other words um, there's no difference and the the interesting thing about that is that when you say you are saved you are only saved by faith you just believe that you have been saved nobody gives you a certificate I know we give you when you are baptized but that's the church so you are saved by faith but if you have faith in Jesus it shows because you will be faithful to him faithfulness will be the hallmark of your character and the interesting thing about life is that there are people human beings who are faithful to fellow human beings really faithful they are friends We are faithful to each other. To a degree that you can never find for God. But that's what God wants. That we will be faithful. That is, we are full of faith. When we, we we Pray and pray, and nothing happens, and we begin to wonder whether this thing is real or not. It means that from day one, you, your foundation was not right. Because it is real. God is real. Jesus is real. It's real. Just go around and say, I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. You see some cars. You see the sticker of a church there, then the man is driving recklessly and abusing somebody else. And sometimes they are going to church, you know, in a hurry to get to church. So Satan just puts down to disturb you and you abuse all the damn abuse everybody. There, you enter church. I love you love. <laughs> you know, in the days of the tabernacle, if you did that you died instantly. But those days are coming back. They are coming back. We said, "Let us." In fact, I asked in the mo- in the morning, and I'll ask in the afternoon. Fair is fair. How many people are fasting and praying and praising God? Let me see your hands. Same like the same number in the, in the morning. You no, know, there are some things that the bible says jesus said to his disciples when a man brought a child and the disciples prayed and nothing happened then jesus said the man took the child to jesus and jesus spoke and something happened the disciples went back to jesus and said to him what happened we are with you all the time now as you do it that's how we did it then jesus said to them this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. It's good to fast. If for no other reason, when you fast, you're a lot healthier. True. And the irony of life is, if a thing befalls somebody, there are some things that befall people. No amount of cajoling will make them eat. They lose their appetite completely. You know, somebody goes to the doctor and sees the doctor and the doctor says, "Ah, you're HIV positive or you have cancer. The person begins to lose weight slowly because your whole it's like they take away everything that you are living for that is a fast but not a good one why don't we fast and ensure that those things don't come our way and like i told them in the morning somebody said to me the first tuesday after we broke our fast with holy communion he said i would like to be coming here when does this thing start I said, it starts at 10 in the morning and ends at 6. He said, please, sir, just tell me the real time. I said, ah? I said, don't you come to the city of David? They said, no. I said, okay, I see. I said, it starts at 10 and ends at 6. They just looked at me and they just shook their head and they went away. They didn't come back. But one of the things that I found out just staying in the prayer cocktail, you never feel hungry. do you feel thirsty. I don't know about other people, but that's The miracle I I found. You know, I just never feel hungry or thirsty. Never feel tired. And the truth of life is simply this. There is a battle for your time. For, For God to be the central focus of your life. You've got to give up so many things. There are no two ways about it. You've got to give up so many things. And the reason why we don't give up. <laughs> I just want to use that testimony again. is because the Holy Spirit hasn't spoken yet. You know, I'll give you an example that's real for me. Two Sundays ago I said to everybody at the evening service, read. Deuteronomy allowed for about an hour. But I was very tired. I'd gone to so many meetings, done the evening service, got home, ate, and then went to bed. And then I just remembered, I said, ah, but I told those people to read Deuteronomy. And me, I'm not going to read it. And I said, boy, I'm tired. They're not the ones who preach now. I'm the one that preach. Ah, say God, I'm, I'm tired. And the thought flashed in my mind that but you will wake up oh, if Amber is knocked on your gates now sleep will just vanish. So I just got out of the bed and I went and watched my face and then started reading. The sleep left. It left. Some of you, when you write 5% instead of 10, it's because you haven't heard that still small word that says, remember Ananias and Sapphira. And when you hear it, <laughs> you write 20%. Because nobody wants to die. Nobody. Ah, if you are dead, who you some vagabond to just spend the money anyhow. <laughs> so it's better to give you a part of it and remain alive. We've got to find time for God. You've got to. The Bible says you have to redeem the time. You have to. You just have to. There are no two ways. There is a price to pay. You can't go to to a car shop and tell them you want to buy a Lexus. and they say it's four million. You say, Well, I only have one million. They will look at you and know that there's something wrong with you. Clearly they'll know there's something wrong with you. They say, But it's four million, say, please now. (laughs) I have one million, please. (laughs) They will just call police for you. (laughs) It's good to laugh, but that is the situation with God. There's a price for heaven. Everybody thinks it's putting up your hand for Jesus and filling a card. That's all. They are going to heaven. No, you are on the way. Whether you arrive there or not, is another issue. It's another issue. And the thing that holds many of us back is our time. Not enough time for God. Not enough time. And yet the Bible says it is God that gives you the power the life the strength to do this business that is taking you away we've got to find time for him there are no two ways about it you just got to find time as i said this morning i say again this afternoon not that i have anything against marriage i said but jesus one of the things he didn't do with him, we didn't get married not just because it was jesus I you become focused on God and doing his will, you find that you just don't have time for anything. That's why Paul didn't get married. Please, 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 it's okay to get married. But you must know how to find time for God. We just must. One hour in 24 hours, it's not good enough. It's not. You'll just be scratching the surface. You'll just be scratching the surface. And the irony of life is people are prepared to stay awake for a whole week if they are to get a contract. Five hundred million naira. They can shut down everything else. They can even shut down family. They tell family, "It's you are working for. Just relax. For the next one week, you won't see my face. Let me just get this." But nobody's ever prepared to do that for God, and God is worth more than the whole world. So I want us today who are here today to spend some time and just really think about our lives. Because Jesus that's what we are here for. We are remembering the fact that he went to the cross. That God who made you and I, who made the heavens and the earth, who made the wood that he was crucified upon, who made the steel with which his side was pierced. He agreed to suffer those indignities because of you and I. And he's coming again. And this time, there will be no bot. He's shown us that it is possible to live the Christian life and to live a perfect life. He's shown us in the human flesh. All we need God has made available the Holy Spirit. If I ask now, how many people have ever used the Holy Spirit as an alarm clock? Most people have. Isn't that such a shame? That's the thing we use the Holy Spirit for. Holy Spirit, please wake me up at five. And you, I know the point about the Holy Spirit. He does. He wakes you up. So you, the power that can raise the dead, use it to be, use it as an alarm clock. Where you can buy an alarm clock. I know because most Christians know it works, so they do it. Just, as you are sleeping, just the Holy Spirit, wake you up at five. He will wake you up. Five o'clock on the dot, you are awake. The power that can raise the dead. Ordinary man has made alarm clock. Why don't you just buy an alarm clock? He said, that's the power we use to wake up, so that we can rush to business. Let's bow our heads and talk to the Lord. Let's ask him for grace. Ask him for grace. Tell him to give you the wisdom to find time for him. It's very important. Very, very important. Tell him to give you the courage and enablement to obey him. Whilst you are praying, there might be somebody here. You've never heard about Jesus this way. You never really thought about what happens on the cross It never occurred to you that if if the nails were the only things holding you if you shook it would tear your body you've never given it a thought that they actually put a spear in his side you never thought about those things but today you 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 realize that jesus died for you and you know you have never made a firm commitment to him before so today you want to say to him here i am lord jesus i have never made a commitment to you but today i make a commitment I make a commitment to you and say to you today, Lord, I accept that you died for me. I accept the sacrifice on the cross. Please, Lord, accept me too and help me to be a better person. If you want to pray that prayer, just put up your hand wherever you are, so they'll put a card in your hand for you. Is there anybody here today? There must be somebody here. You can't say, I'm going to embarrass myself. No, you are not embarrassing yourself. This is the issue of Eternity. If you are here today, you are not sure of your salvation. You have never come to Christ and made a firm commitment to him. Oh, but you come to church. Yes, you do. Then today is a day to make a firm commitment to him. And all you need to do to signify your intention of making that commitment is to put up your hand wherever you are so that the ushers can see and put a card in your hand so that we can follow you up so that we can explain certain things to you and so that God himself will take notice that before men you actually owned up and said I like to be one of your own the Bible says if one person comes to God that there's joy in heaven if you make God happy as I always say God will make you happy today is such a good day to make God happy today that we remember his triumphal entry into Jerusalem is there somebody who wants to say to god today here i am lord to save my soul the rest of us let's just pray let's ask god to help us particularly with our time if there's some if there's somebody there, put up your hands i can see you i need to see the person god bless you give me a card please don't be ashamed don't be shy in fact, once you start hearing, you're going to embarrass yourself. That's Satan. If you put up your hand, he stops talking. He just stops. Because he knows he has lost the battle. It's nothing to be ashamed of. We're talking about issues of eternity here now. Ask God to give you the grace to redeem your time. Because we spend so much time doing other things. But God in his mercy says it is possible to redeem your time. You can buy back the time that you have wasted asking for the grace and he'll give give it to you. Father in heaven, we thank you, we bless you, we exalt you, we give you honor, we give you glory. We can never bless you enough, Lord can never thank you enough. We thank you for Jesus. Lord help each one of us. Help us Lord to redeem the time that we have wasted. Give us the grace to be doers of the things that we hear. Help us to obey you Lord. Help us Lord from the depths of our beings Lord. We ask that you will help us Lord. In Jesus mighty name.
0: Let's just worship the Lord. you are one We broke through to rescue.
1: with thanksgiving in our hearts, Lord. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for sending Jesus. And Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for redeeming us by your precious blood. Thank you for making us kings and priests unto God and unto your Father. Oh, God, we bless you and exalt you. We can never thank you enough, but we, we, we say we are grateful, Lord. Lord, help each one of us. Help us to redeem our time. Help us, oh, Lord, to be focused help us to know that success is living by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Lord, let us understand deep in our hearts that we are worth more than the whole world put together. Precious Holy Spirit, help us to become doers of the word we have heard today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Please be seated. Now let's take out our offerings.